The world doesn't need more shitty products. Focus on a good product first. Anything else is a waste of time. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Today's episode of Growth Everywhere is brought to you by Single Grain. Single Grain is a digital marketing agency ran by yours truly that has helped venture-backed startups to Fortune 500 companies grow their revenues online. Single Grain covers services such as search engine optimization, Facebook advertising, Google advertising, YouTube advertising, content marketing, and conversion rate optimization. To learn more about Single Grain, go to www.singlegrain.com grow to learn about eight marketing campaigns that we've used in the past to help uh, clients grow, including the one that helped generate over 1,500% return on investment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. Today, we have Nick Robinson, who is the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer of Quest Nutrition, which is number two on the Inc. 500 in the last four years. Uh, has been number two in the last four years, and also is the number one selling protein bar in the sports nutrition category. I actually have one of the bars right here that is one of my new favorites. Nice. Nick, how are you doing today? I am excellent. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here. So, you know, the way we like to usually start these off is to hear a little more about your background and how you got here, and then uh, we'll go from there. For sure. And uh, I'll preempt all of this that we are uh, in a fairly open environment here, so things will, I'm sure people will be walking uh, walking around, so excuse any of the noise. And actually, I'm gonna have Evan shut the door for me because the El Segundo Boulevard is racing past us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the first question was your background. Yeah, sure. So I uh, I moved to Los Angeles in 2006 and quickly found a job working for Michael Eisner at his new media studio, Vuguru. Uh, so Michael had just left Disney with a, a pretty sizable golden parachute and wanted to create content specific for an internet audience. And this was back in the MySpace days. So we created a hit with a series called uh, Prom Queen that got debuted on the homepage of MySpace, which was a big deal back then. Um, so really got to dive in deep into the world of creating content for that audience, uh, which is a passion of mine. I'm, I'm very passionate about combining community, storytelling, and technology, and really finding ways to, to merge all that. So. When I was younger, I created a website for car enthusiasts in the state of Maine where I grew up, which did well, and I, I sold my first banner ad on a website um, to, a, to a local car dealership, and that sort of got me hooked in, into that whole world. So worked for Michael for a handful of years um, and made that into something pretty special. We got an investment from Rogers Communications, which is a big telecom in Canada, that allowed us to spin the web division off into its own separate entity. Um, I became a creative executive there, got to do the whole, you know, meeting people, taking pitches, uh, and, and develop content, which is a lot of fun. And then a, uh, a recruiter started hounding me. Um, you know, I thought I was going to be able to go off on my own, kind of do that whole thing that I think, you know, with that entrepreneurial drive, I wanted to set off and do my own thing. But this recruiter kept hounding me. Um, and she said, you've got to meet these protein bar guys. And I would just laugh at her and say, of all things next on my list to do, protein bars aren't even on my list. Like, why are you telling me to meet these guys? Just please leave me alone. 
But she was relentless. Like she literally calling me every day. You've got to meet these guys. You've got to meet these guys. Okay, fine. We'll meet these guys. So I go and meet the who are the, now the three uh, founders of Quest, uh, Ron, Tom, and Mike. And we're at their tech company. They had a tech company called Awareness Technologies, uh, which is like security software. So I meet the guys, and I leave that meeting knowing either these guys are going to completely change my life, or it's total bullshit. This is a scam. I don't know what's going on, and this just isn't you know what I want it to be. And it was like seventy five percent change your life, twenty five percent like total bullshit. Um, the next meeting was they had just signed the lease on what would be our first factory, our first production facility. Um, so there's no chairs, there's no tables. Um, and that was the second interview there. And that's when I first tried quest bars back when we only had two flavors, vanilla and peanut butter. Um, and I saw, like, I saw something. And so I laid out this plan of like how we're going to build a community, build a brand through developing a really large community by giving them high value content that, but first and foremost, this was going to be about the customer, be about the community. And like, that's what they wanted to do. So it wasn't a matter of convincing them. Like, we've got to, we've got to focus on social. They were saying, yeah, we're, we're only doing this through social. We've got no money. But even more importantly, it's, we're going to build the community. Um, and that's what we did. It, it worked really well. And there, there's two important and unique things about Quest. The first is the product. The product really is better. It really is different. You eat them, you know. Um, they're, they're high in protein. There, there's no sugar added. They're low in carbs. There's very few ingredients. No one had done that before. Um, so we accomplished that. And then the way we market, having that community focus, all those things combined into this perfect storm um, and just explosive growth. So the first three years, the three years for the, uh, for the Inc. 500 award, uh, we grow 57,000%. Um, wow. And that's, that's just an insane number. Um, and we don't, so we don't talk about our, our 2014 revenues, but I can mm -hmm. tell you that they are um, – they're insane. Okay. Can you talk about 2013? Yeah, sort of. So we don't want people to focus too much on, mm -hmm. on that side of things. Um, we're obviously incredibly proud of it, but as a, as a private company, and we're actually completely self-financed, um, so we don't take out outside VC funding. Um, we try, you know, a lot of people try to do that right now. Um, we're in, a, in that kind of, we're the hot chick at the dance. Mm -hmm. uh, and, we, and we get that, and we get that we've got, you know, it's a fun time to be in, but we, we very much were, as a team, we're very much focused on the future. Um, we were actually bad at celebrating milestones. We, we've hit some really impressive revenue milestones this year, and we kind of forgot um, because we're so focused on what's happening in the future and where we're going. Uh, and as a mission-based company, it's, it's where are we on, on the mission? And we're on a mission to end the global slide towards ill health. And to do that... Um, Listen, it's where we make up 75, 80% of all protein bars sold in sports nutrition. That's cool. But that's only hitting a really, really small portion of the people that we need to, that we need to help. Wow. 75 to 80% of the market. Yeah. That's insane. Because, you know, it's funny. Last year, um, I, had a, I had a personal trainer and he was like telling me, he's like, this is at Equinox. He's like, you got to get a Quest Bar after the workout. I'm like, never heard of it. But okay, fine. <laughs> Tried it. It was blown away. It, it's, you know, it's, it's delicious. Um, you know, Apple... Going off on a tangent here a little bit, apple pie was my original favorite flavor. But um, you know, what's I actually started trying this flavor. So you know, we got introduced. The only reason I heard about you was because you posted that Reddit thread and you right. said the chocolate chip cookie dough flavor is was a beyond a game changer for you. So can you talk a little bit about this? Yeah, for sure. So you know, up until that point, we had released how many was it? We had three, four, five. I think we had five flavors plus the Quest cravings. Um, 
then we released Cookie Dough. So Cookie Dough, it, honestly, it, it's a game changer because we, we brought this community together and we'd given them a product they'd never experienced before. We brought them a product where we, we focus and we look at the, the marketing sphere as a pyramid. And at, at the top of the pyramid, you have, you have people focused on the realities of what happens when you eat. So these are guys that are deep into the science of nutrition. Um, Peter Tia is a close friend of the company. He uh, heads up Nusi, and Nusi is committed to spending a billion dollars in the next 10 years to study the realities of what happens when you eat. So we, we're having one-on-one relationships with people like Peter. Right beneath him, you've got professional bodybuilders. You've got guys who are going on stages in bikinis. Every single calorie counts. They're surviving on chicken breast and broccoli, right? It's, it's not much fun. We gave them a product. They could flip it over. They could read the nutritional profile. And they knew they could eat it. Then they'd taste it, and they'd be blown away. And, and cookie dough was that first flavor where it was like, wow, is this real? It's, it, it tastes like cookie dough. Like it, it legitimately, truly does. And it's got real chunks of chocolate. Um, we manufacture that chocolate ourselves. It's not just like chocolate that you buy off the shelf. Um, so inclusions. If I had to give one word to it, it was the, it was the inclusions. Um, it's a whole different taste experience. And at the same time, we were, really, we were really ramping up who we were as a company. So the first year and a half, we thought, we thought we were a bodybuilding company. That's who we were going after. You had four dudes sitting in a room together. Like, it was the four of us sitting in a room like, as big as a closet. Um, and you know, we're dudes and we lift. And it's, you know, we, we thought that's who we were. We thought that's who our marketing message would be speaking to. But our fans made it really clear that's not who we were because we were providing, we were providing something that everyone wants to eat cake and they don't want to feel guilty about it. So as cookie dough came out, we realized we were clean, delicious food. So I remember there was just, it was myself, our president, Tom, and our community manager, Clark. We locked ourselves into a room with a whiteboard and said, we got to figure this out. Um, we've got to figure out the position. And it took like an hour and we came up with Cheat Clean. Um, so it, that was all sort of happening at the same time. Cheat Clean coming out, understanding who we were as a brand, and then this knockout flavor. Um, those elements really combined together for just an explosion wow okay so yeah no it is totally is i mean i've tried all the other bars before too and then this, this one I, I can attest to it I, I my friend was like looking through my pantry he's like hey i'm gonna try this thing and i, I have i didn't even open the box yet and he's like he, he opens it he eats it he's like wow he just straight up wow he's like you gotta try this right now and then i, I mean since then I, i've i haven't bought another box of, of apple pie it's been all um chocolate chip cookie dough so yeah good job on that um thank you but you know, one one interesting thing you noted um, in your Reddit thread, you know, obviously you're the, you were the first executive hire, right? Yeah. So four employees going from four to six hundred. You know, there's <laughs> always a comment that um, people say some people that were a fit at you know growing the company to a certain point are no longer a fit at another yeah. point. So you know, obviously you're a fit all the way up to six hundred. I mean, right. you know, what are some things you've learned from uh, you know? Or what are some things you've experienced while you know getting to sure. 600 employees? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a few interesting things to to discuss on that note. Um, on the on the broad scale, um, evolving the culture, evolving who we are. You know, as I said, there was there was four of us sitting in a in a room the size of a closet. Um, we we all were making bars ourselves. So we'd you know we'd run in and box bars, and then I'd run back to make a Facebook post, and that you know that cycle would go on. But it was very easy to develop that internal culture when we were inches away from each other. Um, and then we went to our second facility and then there was two office rooms and now we're at our current facility. There's two floors. Um, so as that expands out, how do you keep your culture alive? How do you spread that? Um, and we focus a lot on that. We talk a lot about that because it, 
it's one of the, it's it's like any relationship, right? You can't just expect a relationship to work. You have to put energy units into it, or it's not going to work. Um, so getting just you know being very cognizant of that fact and putting effort into building culture. Um, you know, we've brought on a, a director of experiential marketing. Part of what she does, it's not just external; it's internal. Um, we're planning our Christmas party right now, and like last year, we didn't really even have a Christmas party. Um, because like, you know, I got work to do. Why would we have a Christmas party? But it's important. Um, so it is those sort of shifts in, in, in really taking care of everyone. Um, and you know, you've, at the top level, you've got us who are creating the Kool-Aid, let's say, and you know, we're drinking gallons of the proverbial Kool-Aid, but making sure that that trickles down to everyone and everyone understands what the quest spirit is. Um, so that's been a, that's been something that we're very, uh, passionate about figuring out. And I will say, we don't have the answer to that at all. I think other companies have much better answers for that as they've grown and, you know, as they're, they've grown who they are as a brand internally and externally. Um, and uh, along that note, recruiting is equally hard. I spend a lot of time interviewing people um, and just trying to find people that are right fits. It's one thing to get the skills and it's another thing to get someone who's going to fit in with the organization. Um, you know, we, you don't get to number two by just sort of screwing around. Um, we are, you know, we're a fun place, I think, but it's only fun if you're in it to in, in it to win it. If you're in this from a very passionate and we say selfish reason, um, people shouldn't be here for their. They shouldn't be here to make Quest big. They should be here to make their dreams come true, and that's really important. That's how you get some really high quality A level talent is creating an environment for them to grow, for them to make mistakes, and to grow as human beings. Um, so, and to answer the second component of your question, which is, you know, I went in when I was pretty young um, and as that really the first hire and you know very often you'll have okay you're good for when we're a small company but now we're a big company we mm -hmm. need a different level of talent. We need Mr. Senior. We need Mr. For Senior sure. VP. Yeah. And you know I, I think there's a handful of things that, that have allowed me to, to still be the right fit and I'd be the first one to just say guys I'm, I'm not the guy anymore you know that's that you need someone else to do this and it's we prize the number one quality of someone here at Quest is growth. Um, and that's something that I've always been very passionate about. And the reason that I, when I first met the three founders, I knew these guys were someone different. They were special. I realized that these are, these are the guys who I want to be in five, 10 years, but they've already done it. So I knew uh, these are the perfect mentors, right? These are the guys that they are living the thing that I'm, they're on the path. They're far down the path that I've just started down. Um, and that was really important to me in getting that sense of like, wow, there's people out there who, who are thinking the way I'm thinking, who are obsessed with personal growth. Um, and to have a culture that's obsessed with personal growth, it accelerates. It's exponential growth. Um, once you're in an environment where everyone is pushing each other and everyone is focused on growth, the things that are possible are, are, are insane. Um, you get exponential growth in revenues, but more importantly, you get exponential growth as humans. Um, so what's allowed me to survive and I would say thrive is that, that relentless acquisition of new skills. Got it. Okay. Now, interesting, interesting note from earlier. This just actually just popped up. I mean, why did the three founders, I mean, obviously they told the recruiter to go, to go after you, right? Why did they, why did they want to go after you so badly? Yeah. yeah that's wow. Huh? I didn't think about that before. Um, I've got a, a unique combination of skills, especially for, you know, the early stages. Um, they, they had identified already, all right, we're going to build this brand through social. And that's something that I've been doing. I've been building communities and deeply involved on a content side and a marketing side um, for a really long time, since high school, right? You know, building, I built that first community called MainStreet.com, um, which had like, you know, back at the time, it had 
1,500 monthly active users, which for a hyper niche in a small, small state, uh, that's pretty good. Um, so I got that kind of that first, that first taste of building a community there, and I've been continuing that throughout time. Um, and then combining that with creating content for Michael Eisner, I think that was a, uh, was a nice combination. Uh, and it turned it into something special. Oh, look at this. We're getting handed out our new s'mores bar. I'm going to have to drop by and steal one. Oh, yeah, man. When you come by, please. Um, they're my favorite new bar. And it's always fun when we release new products. Um, because I've been, you know, I've been eating them now for like three or four months, and have to keep it a secret. And my friends know I'm eating a new bar, but I won't tell them what it is. <laughs> finally, have that in the world. Um, but yeah, so I think it's I had that unique skill set um, from a resume standpoint, and I'll say that we we don't look at resumes here um, mm-hmm. at all. So you know, at that time, it was the the recruiter that they had identified a certain skill set that was required to do this. Um, Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week was a heavy influence uh, for the guys in the early stages. Um, they were miserable at their tech company. It was yeah. aimed as one of the forty second, I think, fastest growing company by Deloitte. Mm-hmm. So they were, you know, they were doing really well, and they were just totally miserable. And after reading the Four Hour Work Week, they realized there's a better way to live. Um, and Quest really is a reflection of that. Got it. Okay. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I might have heard this in the past. So. Um, Somehow, there's people have tied the Quest Bar guys in with like SEO as some kind of SEO experts. Now, is there any truth to that? None. Um, I literally don't focus on SEO at all. Like, Uh I don't do active SEO. Um, I do, I'd call it passive SEO, which means I'm creating content that's high value, that it happens to have keywords in it, but I'm not like, I'm not using writers in the Philippines or things like that. I've Mm -hmm. got, I'm a very, aggressive about who I hire as a writer. Um, and then I have them write good content. Um, it happens to have keywords in it, but it's not, we're not saying, Hey, find these keywords and write content around it. I'm saying write awesome content. Don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about selling quest bars and certainly don't worry about SEO. Worry about adding value to the customer. And it happens to rank highly, but that's not the goal. And it's really important to distinguish between like your goal and what you're doing and a result from that goal. SEO is a result from that goal. Um, the only time I've done anything that where we were uh, overt about SEO is we had to transition from questproteinbar.com to questnutrition.com mm. and at the same time launch a redesigned website. So new design, new domain was a huge pain in the ass and we had to engage an SEO firm just to make sure we didn't lose ranking. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, that's the only thing we've ever done with SEO and again, in an overt way. So add value first and SEO will come. I agree. Cool. So let's talk about the, the community. I mean, you know, and I think you might have covered some numbers in the Reddit thread, if memory serves me correctly. But how big is that community? And, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue the conversation from there. Sure. Yeah. So our community is at about 1.5 million. And that's between Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Wow. Okay. So let's let's start from the beginning. I mean, how sure. did you start from the beginning? I just want people to get something actionable from, you know, yeah. how to build a community. For sure. Um, and it's, yeah, beginnings are always a lot of fun. Um, so the first focus was on Facebook and this was, uh, early 2011, January, 2011. Um, before a lot of businesses were really using Facebook before Facebook was saying, Hey, businesses come here and use our platform. They were still really engaged in bringing in just users, just bringing in people. Um, but we knew that was a great place for us to be because we're going to create content. We knew we're going to create content. Instagram obviously didn't exist at that point. And Twitter was too fleeting. Um, Twitter didn't take off for us until last year. And we just crossed 100,000 on Twitter. It's been one of our slower platforms to, to grow. Um, but on Facebook, I knew we could really get 
great relationships built around content. Um, so the, you know, the conversation threads would be based on the content that we posted. That was really important. Um, and then it was a matter of being consistent, adding value, and then remembering the names. Um, we still, some of our super fans from the first year, Debbie Grohl, um, she's one of our super fans. She's been there since like my second month at Quest, and she's still there actively posting. Um, another super fan was Joy Ramita, who was our, really our first super fan. Um, and she was, she held us to a, a, a crazy standard. Um, she would weigh every bar that she got and just, they had to be perfect for Joy. And that made it so they had to be par- perfect for everyone. Um, because of her comments, like we had to buy this really expensive piece of equipment to measure, um, at the, at the kilogram scale, uh, uh sorry, at the milligram level, um, which was really expensive for us at that time. Um, and then Joy passed away, and she was only like 29. And when the flu hit in 2012, um, it, she passed away from it. So we've, you know, we created uh, uh, the Joy Ramita Superfan Award in her honor, which is every February. Um, and I say that because it's, your fans are the most important people. I don't care if they're not buying close bars or not. It doesn't matter. If they're, if they're engaging with your content, they're giving you feedback, they're helping to shape you as a brand. And it was, it was our fans. It was our fans who helped shape us into the quest that we are today. So the most actionable thing is listen. And I know that's fairly trite advice, but it's trite for a reason because it's true. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, some, I would do research in the beginning on, you know, what boxes I should buy. And then you, you'd see all these results. I mean, bodybuilding.com. And you'd just see endless threads of people saying, this is the best one. No, this is the best one. No, right. fuck off. This is the best one. <laughs> and, it, you know, people would just keep going at it. Um, so would you, I mean, besides the, the Joy Award, I mean, what's an ex- another example of world-class content you guys have produced? Yeah. So, you know, again, I'm, I'm very much a content guy and we, we hire people based on selfish desires, right? And one of my, my stated goals is to create a media empire. That's, that's what I'm after. And I'm able to leverage Quest to do that. Um, so our 15 second recipes, we've been doing those since the, the very first week that Instagram released video, we started doing 15 second recipes. Um, and I remember when Instagram first launched, you had to be linear. So you couldn't go back and edit. You had to shoot in real time. You couldn't upload a video uh, from your reel. You had to shoot it within the Instagram app. Um, so I remember making that first recipe. It was terrible. It's funny to look back on it now. It was just really, really bad. But it showed us, like, okay, this is, this is possible. Like, we can do something special with this. So now we have a team of eight people. We have a 10,000-square-foot soundstage. We create content all day, every day. Um, our 15-second recipes, it takes a day to develop the recipe. So we've got a, a chef team. We've got our Quest chefs. Um, they spend a day developing the recipe. Then it goes over to our content team. takes them a day to shoot the recipe. Mind you, this is a 15-second recipe. And then it takes us about a day to do post-production, add in the motion graphics and all that other stuff. So you've got three full days with two different groups, three different groups, really, and six to ten people working on that content for one 15-second recipe. It costs us thousands of dollars. I'm never going to be ROI positive on a 15-second recipe, ever. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I don't even look at ROI on the 15-second recipes. I'm looking at, are the fans enjoying it? If they are, cool. We're going to do another. Okay. That actually brings up, a, a, that actually segues into another question that I asked someone that, I, you know, I said, hey, guys, I'm interviewing the, the CMO of Quest. And he said, what KPIs do you guys actually measure? You're not measuring ROI for a situation like this, but what, overall, what are you guys measuring? Yeah, it's number one is fan sentiment. Um, that's really the, the biggest thing that I care about. Um, now, listen, like one of the big advantages of being a, a very social and digital company is you get metrics, and metrics are helpful. Um, so it's not that we don't look at the metrics. It's not that I'm not looking 
fairly obsessively at Google Analytics and and loving to beat records and you know having you know when we launched more seeing how many active users we had on our site and looking at the conversion on that. I, I, that stuff's awesome. Um, I'm not a huge numbers guy, but the some of those big core metrics are awesome. They're so much fun to see, mm-hmm. uh, and they're fun to see increase. Of course, it gives you goals to hit and goals to exceed. Um, but first and foremost, if if you structure your business around selling more quest bars, it instills a way of thinking that that means that's you can only have one priority. Only one thing can be at the top of your list. So choose that wisely. We chose taking taking care of our fans. That's the number one priority. We just had our national sales conference with all of our sales guys. We're in town uh, from across the world, literally. And you know, my I laid out the 2015 marketing plan. And I said, like, listen, guys, I'm not going to tell you how we're going to sell more Quest Bars. You're going to sell more Quest Bars, but that's not what's important. And I walked them through who our community is made of and what we're doing for them and how we're focusing on giving them value. And from that, yes, you will sell more Quest Bars, but that's not the focus. And that can't be the focus. Wow. <clears throat> that's interesting. So the, how does the sales team operate at, at Quest? You know, are there, is their goal to sell, like, you know, volume? How does that work exactly? Uh, the big objectives for the sales team is we call it project ubiquity. You need to be able to walk into any obvious sort of place and be able to buy a Quest bar. Um, so that, it's opening doors. Uh, once we open a door, we quickly become the number one best-selling product there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we just got into 7-Eleven. We're only in about half the stores right now. So there's about 8,000 7-11s and we're in around 3,000. Uh, Quest Bars is the number one protein bar there already, only being in half the stores. Yeah, it's so, I guess it's so easy or it's easier when you have a great product, huh? It's essential. Um, I would not want to have to market a product I don't love. It, it's, not, it's not fun. It's not a good use of one's time. The world doesn't need more shitty products. Focus on a good product first. Anything else is a waste of time. Now you talked about you know breaking into you know you, you guys are in Equinox you guys are in Seven uh, Eleven and you guys also got into GNC and Vitamin um, vit- people say Vitamin Shop here I'm just going to call it Vitamin Shop um, and this was you know when did this happen this was like a few years before right yeah okay so um, step one was direct consumer building that audience building that customer up because um, listen if you call a store let's say a GNC for example and you're a new product. You want to get on their shelves? It's, your terms are not going to be very pretty. Um, so we didn't even bother. We said we're going to build our community. We're going to go online first, and that was a decision that we, you know, we made very actively. Um, we're going to sell online first. So we did that. And we started building our community, and within months, fans were going into GNCs, vitamin shops, places like that. They were local nutrition retailer, and saying, "You guys have to carry Quest." And after enough people do that, then the buyer takes notice. Then the buyer calls you, um, and then you can really you can get to a place where listen we're 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 in this for the long haul and we're in this to build good relationships. Um, so you can you can use that leverage to, to come to terms that are good for everybody, and that's what we did. Um, so our, our direct consumer is a really important component, but I really consider it a marketing component. Um, it's less than ten percent of our of our annual revenue, but it's it's that super high touch experience where. Everything A to Z is Quest. Um, we do all of our own shipping and fulfillment. We obviously do all of our manufacturing. Um, so it allows us to have that really nice experience with our fans, with our customers, and to really take care of them. Um, so that's important to us. Um, but from that flowed all the other retail relationships. Um, sports nutrition is our core. 
and it will it will always remain our core. So inside of GNC, inside of Vitamin Shop, you have customers and you have employees who understand what our nutrition label means, and they can explain that to their customers, and that and that's really important. Uh, that will always be a focus. We'll always launch our products there first. Um, that will be their home. But because of the sales velocity, which is absolutely insane, uh, a lot of people come knocking. Okay. Now, how much of your, you know, how much online versus offline marketing are you guys doing right now exactly? Like, what's the percentage split? 95 online, 5 offline, I would say. Uh, the only offline marketing that we're doing is in support of our retailers. Um, so point of purchase displays, um, the retailers all have magazines, so that's the only magazine I advertise in, much to my chagrin. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't love doing that. It's, uh, that money is to support them, really. That's what that is. Um, but the retail experience is, is something that we're really excited about for, for 2015. Um, it's something that we're going to put a lot of effort into to really design experiences at our retail partners, um, to have that true home for Quest. Um, because listen, people, they want to buy food in the store. And that's, we've always known that it's very obvious. So when they go into a store, it's let's design that, like, let's make that an awesome experience for all of our fans. That's a fun place to spend money. And we're going to be doing that in 2015. Got it. Okay. Now, so let's talk about the online portion a little bit. I just want to figure out what, what's working for you guys. And you guys are obviously, you know, very strong community. Social sounds like to be, it's social is a big asset. Content marketing is this, you know, yeah. Is, is a big asset. What else are you guys doing that's really kicking butt for you guys? Yeah, I mean, listen, Google's CPC does great. Um, we spend a lot of money at Google and MSN and Yahoo. Um, those are all dollars very well spent. And it's, uh, it's generally, if you put a dollar in and you're getting two to five out, then just put more dollars in. Um, so our, our spends there are pretty, pretty aggressive. Um, and that's a, it's always worth the investment, especially for us. Um, both branded and non-branded. We have other e-tailers. So there's other people who compete on our terms. Um, as long as the customer has a good experience, I don't really care where they buy it from. I think that we can offer a better experience. Um, we're going we're gonna to spend more money on our customer if they're buying it from our site to, to give them an experience that's, that's unique um, and that's important to us. But who, whoever you buy it from, you're still getting Quest Bars and, and that's important. Um, so CBC does very well. Um, a lot of retargeting. Um, so all of our content lives on our blog. And then we retarget you. Uh, if you come to our blog, um, that's for Google and for Facebook retargeting. Um, we do some pretty decent spends on, uh, on Facebook. Um, that's to Listen, people get really mad that they have to pay to promote their, their posts on Facebook, which I think is kind of silly. Um, that's what they're there for. Like, that's why they built their whole platform. Embrace that. They're there mm-hmm. to sell your personal data to advertisers. Like, that's what it exists for. So embrace that. Understand that. Both as a person using it personally and as a company using it professionally, like understand the game that you're playing. Um, I think it's very effective. Like, I want to be target me. I love it when brands that I enjoy or brands that I need to know about, I love it when they target me. I want that. Um, I want to see products that I want to buy. Don't, don't target me with products I don't want to buy. So there's always going to be advertising. And I think it's important to embrace it when it's quality advertising for products that you want. Um, so it's a long way of saying that we do significant spends on Facebook, um, both CPF to, to find new fans and uh, just to, to boost our posts. We spend a lot of money on creating content and you've got to spend money on distribution. That's, you've always had to pay for di- distribution. Uh, films have to pay for distribution. TV shows have to pay for distribution. Web content, you have to pay for distribution. You can't just sit there and twiddle your thumbs and hope it goes viral because it's not going to. 
Now, just to be clear, when you say you're you're boosting the post, are you actually clicking the boost post button, or are you making separate ads to promote it? Uh, well, we're using Power Editor. Uh, Power so Editor, got it. We have some pretty aggressive um, segments set up based mm. on current customers, potential customers, and things of that nature. Um, we've got our director of ecom is uh, is kind of obsessed with with paid marketing, um, so he gets to go and play around and and find us new people that can bring into the ecosystem. Got it. Now. <clears throat> What do you guys do? You know, what are some things you guys are doing to get reorders? Because you know, a guy like me might just buy a box and never buy again. What are you guys doing exactly? Sure. So retargeting, for example. Retargeting is, is a pretty important one. Um, we use List Track for our email marketing, and through List Track, uh, we've got a, a program set up where every thirty days it emails you and reminds you, saying, "Hey, you haven't purchased Quest bars, and you're probably out." It's actually it's not thirty days. It's based on how many bars you bought, and if X days go by without you purchasing, after we assume that you're out of bars. Then it emails you, reminding you. Um, there's a similar program in Google that does the same thing. Um, both of those programs are, are pretty important. Um, Google product listing ads are getting really, really solid for us. Um, so that's an important shopping experience, just to trigger that reminder. Um, but you know, the biggest thing above anything else is bringing people into our ecosystem. So if you like us on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, on Twitter, on any of those platforms, you're going to see our content. You're going to engage with our content. That's the reminder. Um, yeah, listen, you've got to do some sort of overt marketing style stuff um, sometimes to get that purchase. I, I get that, um, and I don't lose sight of that. But my primary concern really is give them great content. If they're having fun, if they're just joining our ecosystem, engaging with our content, if they're sharing a meme on a Wednesday, like that's all it takes. They'll remember. They'll buy. And most of them are buying at a GNC, a vitamin shop, um, a Hy-Vee, a 7-Eleven. That's what they're purchasing it. Um, so it's you know attribution is is a pain even if you're just in the digital sphere. Once you try to go offline in that attribution, it's damn near impossible. Yep, yeah, and I totally agree with that. Must be a pain in the butt. Um, so for, for for you, I mean, you know, starting at with four employees, I mean, was there at any point in time where the company was on the brink of failure? Yeah, it's funny. You know, a lot we've been having a lot of interviews just, you know, after the, the Inc. Award and the LA Business Journal Award. Um, people always want that underdog story and the, the time that you almost failed. The time that we almost failed was the very first days. Um, like right before I joined, the, the first piece of equipment came in um, and this was our first bar line. And it looked, it looked like it was out of Soviet Russia. And the guys had put, so they had just sold their, their portion of Awareness Technologies um, they took that paycheck and they put it into equipment. That was the big gamble. Um, that was the, is, if this doesn't work, it, we don't have houses anymore. Um, and it, it didn't work. So for the first few weeks, the, the production line was pumping out like 100 bars a day, um, which you, they were making more by hand. So that was one of the biggest gambles. Um, Mike Osborne, who's our, one of our founders and our CFO, he took a blowtorch to the thing cut it in half, and he said, guys, I think I can fix it. Um, and that was literally like taking a blowtorch to your house uh, as far as what that thing cost. And that worked. How much did uh, it cost? Can you reveal that? I don't know what that first line cost. It was in, it was in the high six figures. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't even for a good one. So now our, our equipment, um, it's millions of dollars to, to even spin up a new line. Everything has to be custom made. Um, that's a, equipment has been a huge, a huge, huge, huge problem. Because um, no one can make the, the equipment that we need to make our bars. Um, that's been one of the biggest challenges. 
Wow. Okay. Now, a few more questions from my side uh, before we wrap up. What's one piece of advice you'd give to your 25-year-old self? To my 25-year-old self? Um, keep reading. Um, yeah, that really the, the smartest thing anyone can be doing who wants to, to really do something special. Will Smith said it the best that, Anything you ever want to know is in books. It's all in books. The secrets of the universe are in books. So don't stop reading. Um, this is what I tell myself. Discover, had I discovered Audible um, and the fact that you can play back audiobooks at 3x the speed, had I discovered that 25, I would have had 1,000, 2,000 more books under my belt. Um, that's one of the biggest gifts of mankind that no one seems to understand. I agree with that. Um... And you, I think one piece of advice, I, you know, I, I like to listen to things on 3X, but sometimes when the, when the stuff is just too dense, you know, it's, it's okay to pull it back to 1X, guys. You have some, you, you're right about that. You're right about that. It is, don't, don't be ashamed. Sometimes, some books I have to do it 2X, so yeah. yeah. No, sometimes, I mean, sometimes I'm at, you know, three or two, whatever, and then it's like, no, I got to stay there because I, I got to I gotta be, you know, I got to continue to be smart. If I pull back, I'm dumb, you know. Um, but, you know, it's okay to pull back sometimes just so the audience knows. Um, so, What's one productivity hack you could share? So here's what I've had to do recently. Um, since for the last like six or so months, it's our days have become so dense and so filled with things to get done um, that I have to now live and die by a calendar. Um, uh, Dave Asprey from Bulletproof, he said, and I heard him say it a few months ago, which is what triggered it for me, is he blocks his day off. I think he does 15-minute increments. I do 30-minute increments. But my weeks are planned out. I know what I'm doing at every, like I've got my reminders for two thirty just popped up. Um, so every minute scheduled. So the rare moments of downtime that I have, they're scheduled. I know what specific project I'm working on. Um, that's been a, that's been a total game changer. Um, the other game changers are our marketing coordinator does all of my scheduling. I found myself, it's as silly as it sounds, it, you know, the back and forth to someone to schedule a meeting. How's 10 o'clock? No, how's 11? Actually, I can't do 11. How's the next day? That's, that just drove me insane. Mm -hmm. Spending, you know, like 20, 30 minutes per person to find a time is just a waste of time. Agreed. Uh, so having someone take care of that for you, or there's, there's some software that some people use that takes care of it. Find a solution for that. It's not a good use of time trying to find time. You're wasting time. Yep. And what's one must-read book you'd recommend to the audience? Whew, you're only giving me one. I'll, only give one. one I'll, I'll give you the one I'm reading now, uh, which is The Rise of Superman, which is by uh, Stephen Coulter, um, which is <laughs> absolutely incredible. Um, it's, it tracks flow states and how extreme athletes achieve flow states to extrapolate that into just how you and I will achieve the flow state um, and the exponential growth that's, that has happened within extreme sports. So 10 years ago, no one could do a backflip on a motorcycle. Then within like one year, you get a single backflip, then a double backflip. And the way people push, push each other and push themselves um, to do the impossible and the state that you go into when that happens, because um, that's the state that you need to be in. And that's, that's sort of the, the group that we try to cultivate here and the mentality we try to cultivate here. Oh, wow. So, okay. Sounds like, uh, sounds like that's also good for marketing material for you guys too. Yeah. Um, okay. So final question, you know, what's, what's the best way for people to find you online? Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty easy to find, um, NJR concepts on Twitter, the NJR on Instagram. Um, 
think I'm Nicholas Robinson on LinkedIn. It's funny. I, I need to unify my my digital persona a little bit. Um, but yeah, you can you can find me in all those places. Great. So Nick, thanks so much for doing this, everyone. This is Nick Robinson, who is the CMO of Quest Nutrition. Everyone, make sure you go out and get this uh, the, cho- the chocolate chip cookie dough, or yeah. else you're or the new it. s'mores. The new s'mores too. <laughs> thanks so much, Nick. All right. Thank you. If you're interested in growing your revenues online and you're tired of ho-hum agency work, then it might be time to check out Single Grain. Single Grain is a digital marketing agency ran by yours truly that has helped venture-backed startups to Fortune 500 companies grow their revenues online. Check out Single Grain at www.singlegrain.com grow to get a free resource on eight marketing campaigns that we've used to help companies grow their revenues online, including the one that drove over 1,500% return on investment. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.